The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We want to mention our sponsor today on Smart Companies Radio, Kelly Warner Law. To learn more about Kelly Warner's internet defamation and trade libel legal practice for entrepreneurs and professionals, head on over to kellywarnerlaw.com forward slash infographic. That's K-E-L-L-Y-W-A-R-N-E-R. LAW.com forward slash infographic. You can also click on the logo on the ithinkbigger.com website. Our guest today is Dr. Tom Anastasi. He's the author of The Successful Entrepreneur. He's actually the author of several best-selling books. There's four prior to this that have been sold around the world. He has more than 20 years of teaching at Boston University School of Management, the Harvard School of Public Health, where he taught leadership. And Professor Anastasi has also taught thousands of business people around the world. He's appeared on more than 100 radio and television shows, and he's lectured at several corporations around the country. So we're very excited to have him here today to talk about that fourth book, The Social Entrepreneur. Dr. Anastasi, you help small businesses do the research and the preparedness that big companies do before they launch a new product. You help small businesses do that. What about the small businesses who say, well, that's all well and good, but I don't have the big bucks that the R&D teams that these large companies have. How in the world am I going to be able to do all this? Why don't I just get started and test it as I go? How do you how do you deal with that sort of a question? Well, what I show them, it, it does not take a long time, and it does, it, it's not a giant time sucker. It's not a giant money sucker. So let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. Is All you need to do is, if you're thinking about a new product or service, all you need to do is get maybe 10 to 12 people. Now, that may not sound like a lot, but statistically it is actually quite a bit, especially mm-hmm. if you replicate this two or three times. Okay. All you have to do is is give people cookies. If you really <laughs> want to break the budget, get some pizza. I mean, so for a little bit of money, you can get a lot of very valuable information. So, for instance, one of the things we do is we'll sit there and say, if you're thinking about a new product, you don't sit there and say, oh, I've got this new product or service. Do you think it's good? Because most people just say, yeah, I think it's a pretty good idea. What you do instead is you have five products that you I've asked people about. Mm-hmm. One is yours, and four are our competitors. So they're products that actually don't exist or services that don't exist. But what that's going to do is that since the people don't know which is yours, mm-hmm. they are going to be very honest about things like the pricing, the naming, the positioning, all of that. And so what's going to happen is, is that you're going to find that very quickly whether your new product or service is going to have market appeal. And if it does, great. If it doesn't, then go back because rather than risking it all 
you might have risked a, a few cookies and a few hours of work. <laughs> exactly. And that's a way to do that. Yeah, and that's a great idea to uh, mix it in with some others because so often people want to tell you what you want to hear, and if they know which one is your idea, unless it's just really, really awful, they're they're going to try to find the good parts of it and not tell you about what they have reservations about. Yeah, let me give you an example. Is that a person came to me and he invented uh, a machine that can make any type of ice cream. Hmm. So I want to meet this guy. Uh, any type of ice cream. She go in and say, I would like to have uh, a blueberry pistachio chocolate chip ice cream. And it would make it for you. And it would take maybe um, five minutes. And so in five minutes, you would have whatever flavor you wanted. And this machine would cost about $80,000. This is a very expensive machine because of, of all the sanitary things that have to go on. So what we did was we sat there and we test marketed And people liked the concept. When it really came down to it, they didn't want to wait because if they're going with three other people, that means it would be 20 minutes before somebody got their ice cream. True. And by the time the last person got their ice cream, the first, first person would be done. Yeah, kind of like the and K-cup. Yeah, in order to justify the cost of the machine, the extra would be 7 or $8. And, you know, people said when it came down to it, they said, well, we like the concept, but, you know, our favorite ice cream haunt uh, has got 70 flavors to begin with, so we could just probably pick one of those. Well, his dream was dashed for a little bit, but on the other hand, he sat there and realized, oh, my gosh, I just didn't make this horrible mistake. Mm-hmm. So we were very happy about that. Exactly. One of the premises that runs through your entire p- book is that the first five years are incredibly critical. Uh, why five years? What's the magic about five years? You know, I actually don't know um, the, why it is. Um, my guess is because it, you've got an established customer base. You've already made all the mistakes you're going to make. You already know all the things you do well, what they are. So businesses that make it five years statistically, um, the chances of, of there becoming a, a business that's going to go 20 years are very, very high. Mm-hmm. The, so that's why you have to really look at say, if you can get to that five-year point, you're in good shape. So I don't think it's any one thing. I think it's a combination of things. Uh, customer base, um, people know you, you you've got the money that you need to uh, continue. And if businesses can make it to five years, they're in really good shape. The problem is, is that most businesses try to make it to two years. Mm-hmm. Year, we'll just sit through the first two years and then hope for the best. And that's <laughs> about three years short of their planning. They really need to make it to five yeah, and and that's true. A lot of people think that if they can make it through that startup stage that first year or two, like you said, then, wow, I've I've covered everything. I've got it handled here. But you say that some of the biggest challenges raise their heads during years two to five. What are some of those challenges that uh, an unsavvy, maybe a hair-on-fire passionate entrepreneur, but maybe unsavvy professionally, uh, wouldn't expect to crop up during those t- years two to five? Well, one thing is is that if you're very successful, other people are going to take notice, and yes. you're going to have competition that wasn't around when you first began. And so you've got to plan for that. Second thing is, is that at the beginning stages, you've got your speed money, your startup money, and that's okay. But what gets people in trouble is 
not that the fact that their business isn't doing well, because most of the time their business is doing well. But most businesses that close, close with a net profit. You say, well, why would they do that? Well, because they're not making enough to cover their personal expenses. Right. So when people get into financial trouble, it's not because of the business. It's because they're not making enough money to pay their mortgage or their car payments or, oh, I don't know, food. And so it happens they have to borrow money to pay personal expenses. Then the first couple of years, they're all giddy with excitement because it's brand new. But then after a while, the reality of having to make all the um, all of your personal payments comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and that that is very true. I've seen it happen over and over. The business is making a profit, sometimes a small one, like you said, and from all appearances, it seems like it's a viable business, but the business owner isn't taking a salary or they're taking a very small one. And from a lifestyle perspective, it's just not cutting it. Right. And this is why planning comes in. So instead, what to do is right at the beginning, talk to similar business owners and say, okay, um, how, how much money do I need in the bank beforehand? Um, how much are my charter expenses going to be? How much are marketing expenses going to be? Uh, how much am I going to make in my first couple of years? And that way you'll know that because many times the business is fine, everything is fine, but they just started it a year too early because they weren't quite ready. Mm-hmm. So if you look at that and say, well, I don't have that much money or I, I, I need more, it's that they're just taking another year to get going. And that way, rather than becoming a statistic, you'll make it to that five years and you'll be in really good shape. Yeah, and, and that's why people have to go with their eyes wide open, and really look at business ownership like big corporations do, and make decisions based on data rather than just on their on their gut or the fact that they really love doing something. Mm-hmm. Is there is there any advice you can give people who uh, want to follow the advice that you just gave them, but there might be some sort of a market critical reason to get the product or the service launched before they have all their ducks in a row? Um, or is it always better to wait and then play catch-up with the marketplace? I would say it's always better to wait, but I, I'm fairly conservative in, in my business decisions, and I really encourage other people to be the same because, you know, if there's a huge hot market for it, that's great, but things that are hot markets will tend to fizzle out quickly, mm-hmm. or there's going to be lots of other people who are going to think, oh, my gosh, it's this huge <laughs> hot market. Let's go for it. And um, I don't know about in your area, but um, in our area, in the whole New England area, there is a lot of frozen yogurt shops. I mean, a lot. Yes, I mean, maybe yes. Not as many. I don't, yeah. Five of them. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's wonderful. It's great. But, you know, the thing is, is that if there was one or two, that's okay. But the problem is, is that most towns can't support that many of them. And so I think some of those people may have maybe jumped in too soon and said, okay, but let's just take a wait and see if it's a successful idea. It'll still be successful next year and really planning and making sure you have everything you need. Mm-hmm. One of the chapters, and I, I love this, one of the chapters uh, in the first section of your book in the startup phase is a go, no-go checklist. And the fact mm-hmm. that you gave that a whole chapter's worth of attention rather than just a page with the checklist on it was was pretty interesting. I know we can't go through all of it today. You've already talked about the financial side of things, but what are you know a few other key pieces on that go no go checklist as a startup that I should really pay attention to? Well, 
Sure. Um, number one is really do you have experience in that business? Because lots of times people will have one job and just, you know, they'll be an engineer or they'll be working sales or something like that, but always want to own a bed and breakfast. Mm-hmm. They, they love going to bed and breakfast, and so they've always wanted to own that, but have absolutely no experience <laughs> right. in that industry. And so one of the things I recommend, if you don't have five to seven years' experience, you know, do what college students do. Go become an intern. You know, go out of your market area and, and be very honest, saying, hey, I'm looking to open up a bed and breakfast. Um, you know, 75 miles from here, so we're not going to be competitors, and I would like to work for you for six months. And that way you can really know the business um, and you know, know the front end, the back end of the business, everything. Mm-hmm. And then you, you may find, oh, my God, this is perfect. I love it and I want to do it. But what you're doing is you're making mistakes on, on other people's time. And then the other thing is you're also learning all the little tricks of the trade. Those are the things that are going to make a huge difference. Right. You know, one of the things I talk about in the book is uh, somebody wanted to open up a driving range, and uh, a golf driving range. Mm-hmm. And never done it before, but did golfing and thought it would just be a great job. And he worked for a dr- driving range, and he said, oh, my gosh, insurance is unbelievably expensive. Didn't realize that. And the other thing is, is that he never really noticed rain days or bad weather days or cold days or hot days. He said that, you know, when he would go out, it would be really crowded because he would go out during all the nice weather. But he said there's a lot of times where there's nobody on the driving range because the, the weather conditions aren't perfect. Right. So he ended up deciding to do it, but he ended up deciding to do it kind of on his own terms and going with other people and scale it down and, and do other things. And it's kind of a nice little thing to make a little extra money, but... He certainly couldn't make a living from it, so it yeah. worked out really well yeah. for him that he had that internship experience. And a lot of times people don't realize the number of hours that go into uh, running a business, and that's a shock to the system that to make it successful, you're going to basically be given over your life for a while to this business. So, uh, you know, you have to you take all of that into account. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the stages past the five years and some of the things that you need to look out for there to continue that success. We're talking with Dr. Tom Anastasi, who is the author of The Successful Entrepreneur. We'll be right back. On March 19th, nourish your body and your business at The Big Breakfast, a quarterly event spotlighting the entrepreneurs featured on the cover of Thinking Bigger Business magazine. They'll share stories from their own companies and advice that you can put to work in your business. Plus, you'll meet the staff of Thinking Bigger Business Magazine and learn how you can become involved with the only publication in Kansas City that exclusively serves growth-minded small businesses. Find out more information and register at IThinkBigger.com. That's IThinkBigger.com. A lot of people who listen to this show are small business owners and entrepreneurs, and legal representation is critical, and it's critical to have it before you need it. But if someone defames you, online or off, find a defamation lawyer as soon as possible. Not doing so could inadvertently ruin an otherwise solid claim. Kelly Warner Law caters to people like you, entrepreneurs. One of the top Internet law practices in the country, the attorneys at Kelly Warner have mastered the art of online reputation maintenance. Since opening their doors, Kelly Warner has helped more than 1,000 businesses and professionals with all manner of trade libel and business defamation situations. More than just a client advocate, Kelly Warner's website is a resource for Internet defamation news, tips, 
case studies, and statutes, both domestic and international. To read up on the legalities of online defamation law, head to kellywarnerlaw.com, a boutique law firm that delivers big firm results and better for a fraction of the price. Kelly Warner works with clients across North America, Europe, Australia, Canada, and Asia. To learn more about Kelly Warner's internet, defamation, and trade libel legal practice for entrepreneurs and professionals, head on over to kellywarnerlaw.com forward slash infographic. That's K-E-L-L-Y-W-A-R-N-E-R-L-A-W.com forward slash Infographic. You can also click on the logo on the IThinkBigger.com website. Every hiring manager knows that a company is only as good as the people it's made from. So where do you find the best people? That may surprise you. Meet the grads of life, young adults of unique determination and experience, an ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. This is talent worth knowing about. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're visiting here this morning with Dr. Tom Anastasi. He's the author of four best-selling books. His most recent, The Successful Entrepreneur, is advice on how to get a foundation built so that you have a platform for the most successful business that you can have. We've talked about the first crucial five years. And Dr. Anastasi, let's, okay, I'm a successful entrepreneur in the sense that I've made it through those first successful five years or those first critical five years. Uh, what do I need to do to maintain that? Surely there are things associated with growth post five years that can be just as challenging as when you launched your business. And I know that you've got some success stories that you want to talk about, so maybe you can frame the answer to that question within some success stories. Sure. Once you're at the five-year mark, you're doing really well, and now you have to start thinking about, do I expand? Mm -hmm. And you can either expand with your product lines and your service lines, or you can just replicate what you're doing now elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And um, either of those are, are very good strategies because you do have that existing customer base that's really going to, to love you. And the other thing is, is that if you're replicating what you're doing elsewhere, you know how to do it. You've got it. And you know that your product or service is, is, going, to be, is going to be liked very much. So one of the joys about writing the book is I got to talk to successful entrepreneurs all over the country, and, and they shared their wisdom with me. And one woman was Ashley Thatcher, and she was sick with a migraine headache one time, and her daughter brought up some soup, and it was on one of bamboo trays. Mm -hmm. And then she was in bed with the soup, and the will put up the tray and soup all over her. Oh, great. And there's got to be a better way. And it turned out that there was, so she invented a non-slip tray. So you could put anything on this tray, and it can be paper, plastic, you name it, and you can turn the tray at maybe a 25, 33-degree angle. It can be at a really steep angle, and it won't fall off the tray. Hmm. Well, she went in, and uh, she got quotes, and, and she found a place to do manufacturing for her and modeling and make changes for her. And she started off going to kitchen shows, working with specialty retailers. 
and people like the product, and, and she really believes in it. So with a lot of hard work, she's sat there and has been on QVC, uh, um, they're sold in Target, Walmart, all over, and she has sold hundreds of thousands of these trays hmm. and uh, ended up selling out the company just a couple of years ago. And she's just a wonderful person and did a great job because the product she believed in and really knew how how to do it. Mm-hmm. But she did everything right up front. She did marketing research. She understood the market. She got financing. And so when she went in, she started small and then grew to be very big. So that was wonderful for her. Right. And that's somebody who, who rode the those coattails of the initial success just with one product. She never branched out and added additional products to her line? No, she didn't. Yeah, huh. that, 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 that's what she did. Um, one of the things that she would do with that one product is that she would have different colors. Mm. And a very savvy marketing move was that she got a license with the NCAA to use any college logo. Oh, so yeah. now there are trays with the college logo, so people can buy them as gifts or things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, people are you know, sports fans or, or fans of uh, of their college or alma mater can buy that. And that was actually the thing that, that catapulted her business to the next level. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and the licensing was not that expensive and uh, has, has brought back huge amounts of money in return for her. So that was great. But she decided to just go and sell internationally, to sell these different outlets rather than having uh, a new product. Yeah. The product is a variation on the theme. And it's a little bit tougher for her because there are things like patents and things right. like that uh, with her product. So, um, But she got all those done and uh, did a great job. Yeah, well, and what a, a marketing coup. I mean, that was that was brilliant. It's something simple, and like you said, it wasn't as expensive as you might think, but still, what what a marketing stroke of marketing brilliance there. You know, one of the things, too, that can kill a business, and I, I know we've got just a few minutes left, but I want to touch on it because it is so critical. A lot of times you have everything going for you. You get the financing, the market likes your idea. Uh, you're doing everything right, except uh, you can't motivate people. You can't, uh, you're, you're just not a good leader. I don't know how any soft way to say it, but it, it, you die from within. The company dies from a lack of leadership. Uh, talk to us about somebody who's, who's maybe never had to lead people before finding themselves as in a leadership position with a new business. What are some of the key things? You know, one of the things we talked about when I teach leadership, are leaders born or is it learned? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a little bit of both. And but I would say that that most entrepreneurs have never led before. They've never been the boss before. They've always worked with somebody, and there's a whole bunch of different skills. But I would say that if you understand leadership, and, and for instance, understand what that means, you don't have to be this clear speaker. There are lots of leaders who just have a quiet confidence about them, mm-hmm. and when we know all those people. And so just being an expert in the field and understanding yourself and what you do well. I mean, are you the person that is very authoritative? Or are you the person that brings out the best in other people? Well, people who work for small businesses, what they want is they want to be the best version of who they are. And so because people who work for small businesses probably make more money with better benefits working for a large company. True. But they would rather work for a small company because they're valued as a person. There are things that they can do that they otherwise wouldn't be able to do. The relationship they have with their coworkers. 
relationship they have with customers is very different. And so an entrepreneur, they should never forget that, mm-hmm. that there's value to a quality of life because many entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs because they want good quality of life, but many of people who work for entrepreneurs are the same way. Right. And so if you understand that, you know, that that's a good, uh, good chunk of leadership. And then also for motivation, you know, because you cannot pay people the money. So what can you pay them in? Uh, yeah, you may be able to give them some equity if this business does really well. If I do well, you'll do well. But you can also give them amazing quality of life. And if you can do that, they're going to work really hard for you and make your dream just as, as wonderful as it can be. Right, yeah. And a lot of times what they're looking for, too, in a small business is the ability to uh, shape the business uh, in a way that maybe you can't in a larger corporation, that they might have more of an impact on what happens, that their ideas are uh, better heard. And so that that's all part of the appeal, too, I think. Oh, sure. I mean, uh, lots of people that they want to help things out and they want to learn on their own. Um, you know, if you work for IBM, most people don't sit there and go to the chairman of IBM and, you know, hey, I've got this great idea to improve the business. But if you're working for a small business, you see that person every day. Right. And, uh, yeah, give them, give, them, give them that chance, and, they, and you'll find that you're going to be really surprised that people are really going to go the extra mile for you. Absolutely. If someone wanted to order your book, where would they find it? Uh, Amazon.com or my publisher, GlenBridgePublishing.net, I believe they're .net. Okay, and, and you, uh, but Amazon.com is where most people get it, and um, yeah, that's wonderful. Do you have a website that people can go to for more information about you and some of the other books that you have published? Yes, it's TomAnastasi.com. All right. Thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Anastasi. You shared a lot of really good advice, and uh, hope to have you back again sometime soon. Oh, that would be wonderful. Thank you very, very much. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at ithinkbigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.